Hebrews chapter 10. I remember um, shortly after Heather and I were married, uh, we were living in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and I landed a job as an, a manager of an apartment complex. And uh, it was a great adventure. We'd never done anything like that before. Um, and we got to know a lot of people uh, through that. And one, one of the couples we met um, was a couple named Charles and Angela James. And they were an African-American couple that lived in the next building to us. And we became good friends with them. And uh, they were lovely people. They had, I think, six or seven children. And um, we got to know them. I remember speaking to Charles one day, and he recognized that he wasn't saved. And he asked the Lord to save him. And that was really special to share that moment uh, with Charles. But I remember they had um, their youngest child. Uh, I saw him running around one day, and I was talking to his dad, Charles. And Charles said, you know that little boy? He was born with a problem with his intestines. And he was unable... Uh, to get any goodness out of the food. And he was born, and we started, you know, we started feeding him. His mommy was uh, giving him milk, and uh, he was, seemed to be taking the milk in, but it was not doing him any good, and he wasn't growing. And so they took him to the doctor. The doctor checked him over and discovered this problem with his intestine. And uh, thank God, God took care of that. And uh, that wise doctor was able to do some things that helped that child uh, to be healed. And it was, it was fixed. Uh, but I remember, I'll never forget what Charles said. He, the doctor told Charles, he said, your son is suffering from a failure to thrive. A failure to thrive. And he was failing to thrive because he could not get the goodness out of his food. And once that problem was solved... That little boy began to get the goodness out of his food, and he grew up into a healthy kid. I remember that when I saw him, he was running around the place, causing mischief, you know, like little boys do. And uh, he was fine. There was no problem with him. But it all came back to when that problem was fixed of his failure to thrive. Now, we're going to talk about something for a few minutes this morning. I don't think it will take very long at all. Uh, but we're going to speak about something this morning that is a habit that believers need to form if they are going to thrive. I have met countless believers. Oh, I wouldn't say countless, but I have met some believers who, because of the lack of this habit in their lives, they have not thrived the way they could have. And then I've met believers who got this habit down early in their Christian life, and they grew quickly in the Lord, and God was able to use them in a special way. So how can we as believers thrive? What habit is it that I am talking about uh, that will help us to thrive? Well, let's read uh, Hebrews chapter 10, and verse 24 and 25, and uh, then we're going to pray, and I will tell you. Okay, Hebrews chapter 10, and verse 24. It says this, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as you see the day approaching. Let's bow in prayer this morning. Father, uh, Lord, as we come to your word, God, we just simply ask, Lord, will you speak to us? Lord, will you help us to understand? God, uh, we are very much dependent on your spirit, Lord, to help us understand. And uh, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to understand this passage and uh, the other passages that we will cross-reference. And Lord, I pray 
uh, that you will help us as believers to thrive. Lord, each person in this room, you have a, a great plan for their lives as Christians. Lord, there may be people here that don't know you. Lord, I pray that uh, you would help them to understand what it means to know you in this way. And uh, Lord, I just ask uh, that, Lord, as we come to your word, Lord, that what you want would be said. And uh, Lord, that you'd give me wisdom in Jesus' name. Amen. We just read uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, and perhaps you can guess the habit that I am talking about. You know, the habit that will help us to thrive is this simple habit, the habit of being a part of a local church. Now you would say, why, why are you saying that? You know, we're in church, okay? <laughs> but if we can understand this habit um, and what God says about it, it will help us to thrive. You know, I remember years and years ago, um, as a, a little kid first coming to this church, I can barely remember because it was a long time ago, okay, but I can remember first coming to this church, and it was a lot smaller back then, um, but I remember coming in, and you know, I'm really grateful um, that we started coming to this church regularly after my parents got saved. I'm really glad, because it has been the cause of untold good in my heart and life. But, you know, somewhere along the line, a decision was made that we were going to be in church. And, you know, I know there's many people sitting here this morning, and you made that decision. Somewhere along the line, maybe when you first got saved, you said, I want to be in church. I'm going to uh, come uh, to God's house and be a part of what's going on there. You know, that's not just a good idea. God plans for us as believers to be a part of a local church. You know, the church was not any human being's idea. Okay, It was not an invention of man. Uh, it was Jesus' idea. You know, he calls it in Matthew chapter 17, he calls it my church. It's his church. You know, LifeGate Bible Baptist Church, it's Jesus' church. And every other Bible-believing church, uh, you know, around the world. It's, this is his church, okay? And it was his idea. And here in verse 25, he gives us a command that relates to the local church. It says this, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. You know, that word assembling together, it's really the verb, the, the action word of the word church, if you like. And uh, what God is saying to us here, he's saying, don't forsake, don't give up coming together as a church and being a part of a local church. I want you to notice for a second. This is, it's a command. It's a command that God gives to us. He says, do not forsake it. You know, even in the first century, um, not a hundred years after Jesus Christ had uh, died and rose again and ascended back to heaven, not a hundred years after that, there were people that were doing exactly what uh, the author of Hebrews is saying, not to do. Uh, and we know that because he says, you know, not forsaking the assembling together uh, of ourselves as the manner of some is. He said, you know, there's people out there and they say church is not a big deal. You don't need to be a part of a local church. But he said, don't be like them. He said, don't forsake the assembling uh, together of yourselves. And, you know, I think sometimes we do, we think this is a, it's a good idea to be in church, but it's not just a good idea. It's God's will for us as Christians. Well, let's uh, talk a little bit more about it. You know, imagine as an illustration of the importance of this, imagine you were a soldier, 
Okay, I don't know if we have any people here who have, have served military time, um, and it, that is a, it's a difficult job. But one thing that you learn when you're in the army is you learn to take orders, right? You have to learn to take orders. That's how an army works. If you go into battle and the soldiers don't listen to the captain, you're finished. You're going to lose the battle, you know? You know, the, the captain doesn't say, okay, charge. And the guys say, no, hold on, uh, you know, I have to go back and uh, put, uh, change my bullets, you know? No. He says, charge, they do it. And that's the way it works in the army. But imagine you're a soldier in the army, okay? And you're in the middle of a hot battle. And you get shot in the shoulder, okay? You get shot in the shoulder. That would be awful. That would be painful. But you are in shock, Okay, you've just gotten shot in the shoulder, but you are in shock and your body is producing those, uh, you know, um, natural painkillers and you can't even feel that bullet in your shoulder. I mean, you are just, you're ready to charge over that trench and go in and go fight against those soldiers across the way. Okay, and you're in shock. You don't even feel the pain. And your captain, he turns to you and he says, look, you're wounded and you need to go to the medic right now. You know, that soul, you, you as a soldier, you might not even feel that you need to go to the medic. You might not feel it. You might not think you need to. But because the captain said do it, you do it, right? And that maybe when you wake up in the sick bay after a few hours, you recognize, hold on, I'm glad I went to the medic. I would have bled to death out there if I hadn't obeyed uh, what my captain told me to do and went to the medic. You know, it's a little bit like that with church sometimes. You know, sometimes people think, I don't really need to go to church. But you know what? It's not a matter of us thinking we need to or not. It's a matter of what did, what did God say? What did Jesus tell me to do? He's our captain, amen? Jesus Christ is our captain, isn't he? And he's the one that we're taking orders from. And look, if he says that I need to be part of a local church, it doesn't matter how much I feel I need to or not. I'm going to do it because he's the captain uh, and I'm his soldier. And so we need to uh, be in church uh, because it's a command. I want to talk in a moment um, about uh, the, you know, some of the things that uh, help us in our mindset to understand what a local church is about. It's not, you know, being a part of a local church is not just about being here on a Sunday morning. You know, there's much more benefit that God wants you and I to have from a local church than just coming uh, to a service once in a while. He wants us to be a part of that local church and to be a part of what God is doing in a community through a local church. It's exciting, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But first of all, I want you to hold your finger in Hebrews 10, and I want you to turn to Acts 20. Acts 20. You know, we might say, where, you know, where did this idea of, on a Sunday, having church, I mean, where did this come from? You know, we're reading in Hebrews um, a letter that was written in the fir that first century after Christ, okay? And um, he's writing to these believers and he says, do not follow the bad example of some and not uh, assemble together uh, with your local church. Uh, so there were some that weren't. But you know, most believers were getting in church. Most believers were going to church, were part of a local church. And we see that here in Acts chapter 20 and uh, verse 7. It says this, And upon the first day of the week, 
When the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. Now, thankfully, I'm not going to preach till midnight, okay? All right, you may be grateful, okay? I, I'm not, I won't, uh, we won't uh, take that idea from the text, okay? But I do want you to notice, notice it was the first day of the week. It was a Sunday, just like today. It was the first day of the week uh, when Jesus rose from the dead, the day that Jesus rose from the dead. Um, that first day of the week was the day they came together. And uh, notice, they come together to do two things, okay? First of all, to break bread. To have the Lord's table together. And second of all, uh, to hear preaching. Paul preaches to them. And uh, preaches from the Word of God to them. And I'm sure there were uh, you know, some other things that went on. But that's very similar to what we're doing this morning, isn't it? You know, we're assembled together as a local church uh, to hear the Word of God and to worship Him. And this has been common practice for believers since shortly after Jesus Christ ascended to heaven, uh, that believers have gathered together on the first day of the week, uh, just like we are doing. And, you know, I think as Christians, one thing that will help us is to recognize, hold on, I'm a Christian. On a Sunday, I go to church. I meet with God's people. That, that's where I need to be on a Sunday. And uh, if we have that in our heart, and we get that habit down, that simple habit will help us to thrive. Will help us to thrive. Now, I said I was going to say a few words about, uh, you know, what our involvement in a local church. And I would like you to turn back to Hebrews chapter 10. I want to notice uh, some of the other, I want you to notice some of the other phrases in the two verses that I read at the beginning. Okay? Being part of a local church is not just showing up on a Sunday morning and getting your regulation sermon. Now, that's, if, if there's nothing else, that's good, okay? And praise God for everyone who's here this morning. But, you know, we can have more involvement. I believe we can get more benefit as we uh, find out what a local church is really about and we get involved. Let's no notice verse 24. It says this in verse 24. It says, Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. And then notice the second part of verse 25. It says, but exhorting one another. The first part of the verse says, don't forsake church. Don't forsake going to church. But rather, the second part of verse 25, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. You know, sometimes we have the, uh, the concept of church that we're consumers, okay? You know, when I go to Tesco, I'm a consumer, Okay, when I go to do my shopping, oh no, I, uh, I do a little bit of shopping. Heather does a lot of the shopping in our house, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, when I go to get some shopping, okay, I'm a consumer. I'm looking for the best deal out there, okay. I have five kids, okay, and they're hungry. And uh, we, we can't afford to, you know, uh, pay more than we need to for food. So we are looking for the best deal possible. We're consumers, okay? And if I walk into Tesco and it's more expensive than Aldi, well, I'm going to say, I'm on Aldi, okay? Because I'm a consumer. I'm there to get what I want, okay? You know, if I went out to buy a, a new car, now, I don't have the money for a new car, but we say I did, and I went out to buy a new car. I would look at different cars, and I would say, well, this car, you know, 
I like this car. You know, this, this is the one that I, I like. You know, I like the color. I like the interior. You know, I, I like the fact that it has a turbocharged engine, you know. Um, I like those alloy wheels. That's, that's my car. I'm going to buy that car. I'm a consumer, okay? And when I'm a consumer, who is it about? It's about me. You know, you ever heard, the customer is always right, okay? The customer is always right. Well, th- when we have a consumer mentality, that's what it's about. Um, but, you know, we can't have that mentality about church or we won't thrive. And we won't experience all that God has for us. God says that as we are a part of a local church, we're not consumers. We are co-laborers. Do you know what that means? People working together. Okay? People working together. We're not consumers. We don't come here just to get. We come here to work together. Notice what verse 24 says. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. You know, the mindset um, of Jesus Christ about church is not the mindset of a consumer. It's the mindset of a co-laborer. You know, these people, uh, the author of Hebrews is urging them to be a part of a local church. But he wasn't thinking like we sometimes think. A consumer. He was thinking a co-laborer. He's saying, come together with your local church. Encourage the people around you. You know, the idea of provoke to love and to good works. You know, provoke we often think of in a negative sense. You know, in Sunday school, we talked about uh, not being easily provoked, right? And becoming angry. Well, provoke can be positive or negative uh, in the Bible. And this is positive. Do you know, when we are a part of a local church... We get provoked or stirred up to love the Lord and to do what He wants us to do, right? Right? How many of you have ever come to church and you, were, you left encouraged? You know? Raise your hand. If you left encouraged... I don't know how many times I've come to church and God has encouraged my heart. You know, right now down in Arklow, um, uh, Chris Stahl is preaching a series on evangelism on Sunday mornings. And uh, it has been excellent. I came out of church last Sunday, and my cup was full. You know, God had spoken to my heart. You know, I know I'm supposed to witness, but you know, it's easy to get focused on other things. And God stirred my heart, and, and there were just some key things that really helped me. You know what? This is what happens when we go to church. We get provoked to love and good works. But do you know what? You provoke other people to love and good works when you come to church too. Did you know that? Do you know there's not a person here who does not have an impact and God cannot use? Do you believe that? There's not a person here that God can't use. You know, the, the whole point of verse 24 is not just that you're coming as a consumer and you're getting blessed, but you're being a blessing to others. Do you know, I remember times here at LifeGate growing up, remember times when I was in college and, uh, you know, an older teenager... And I remember having a cup of tea, you know, in the kitchen. And somebody said something that helped me, that encouraged my heart. Or maybe, you know, we were taking part in a church activity and we had a conversation and God provoked me to love and good works through what some brother or sister said to me uh, in that conversation. You know, that's, that's what church is about. We come together and we don't just get blessed. You know, think about this. You just don't need church. Church needs you. Church needs you. If we could get a vision for that fact, that God can use me to be a blessing to the other people in my church, you know, it would stir us 
to be more faithful and to get involved in what God is doing in our local church. So we need to be co-laborers, not consumers. Now think about this. Sometimes as well, we are spectators in our local church. We come to watch the show, okay? (laughs) We come to watch the show. But God says we should not just be spectators. Uh, We ought to be soldiers in an army, marching together. You know, what's our goal? What's the goal of this local church? The goal of this local church is to reach a, a, a lost community and the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that we can grow and be built up and we can reach uh, this world with the gospel. And you know, if we come as spectators, and that's our relationship to the local church, do you know what? The mission's going to fail. Or I tell you, realistically, what will happen is we won't get the joy of being involved uh, with fulfilling that mission. And so we need not to be spectators. We need to be uh, soldiers um, in the local church. And so, why should we be part of a local church? Well, God says that we should, and he, in fact, here in verse 25, he forbids us not being a part of a local church. He says, uh, do it. Now, we're going to finish up and spend the, the rest of the message really just with some application, getting down to the nitty-gritty of how to make this real in our lives, okay? You know, as we look at that today, I hope that that is helpful to you. But the reality is that for many of us, it's difficult for us to be faithful in our local church. Okay, And usually there's a few things uh, that hinder us uh, from being part of a local church. Now, you know what the number one thing that stops people uh, from attending church services and serving in their local church? You know what the number one thing I think is, probably, is work. Okay? Is work. Uh, you know... Um, we have to work to live, and that's a good thing, you know. Um, it is a good thing to be gainfully employed. But, you know, it is all too easy uh, for work to take over, and work becomes more important than church. And before you know it, we can end up not in church at all because of work. You know, the workplace increasingly has no regard for Sunday or for the Lord's Day. I don't know if you've noticed that. But I can, I can even see, since I was in college, um, that the workplace, they do not think about Sunday or the Lord's Day. It's just another day to roll up your sleeves and make money. Okay, And there's increasing pressure, I think, on Christians to work on Sundays. Okay? Now, I'm not saying that it's wrong for you ever to work on Sunday. But what I'm saying is, when work takes over, and, and we never make it to church because of work, there is a problem. And so work can, can become a problem. You know, um, the workplace has no regard for it. But what about uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2? And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, a lot of times we're too easily pressed into the mold of the world and we're more concerned about what our loyalty to the boss than to our captain, the Lord Jesus. Okay? We're more concerned about our duty to our co-workers than our duty to our co-laborers in the local church. Do you know what? This church needs you. This church needs you. You don't just need church. This church needs you. And... You know, sometimes we are being pressed into, like that first talks about, the world's mold. And we're so concerned about work 
that we never make it to church. Now, look, again, I'm not saying that uh, uh, you know, a Christian should never work on Sundays, but we should make it our best effort uh, to be in church. And, you know, uh, it's pretty hard to be involved in a local church if you can't be, on a, be there on a Sunday. I know we've noticed over the years, you know, just people that really have a heart for the Lord, they want to be involved, and they just can't make it there on Sundays. They, they, they just they don't know what's going on. They just get out of sync, and uh, it's very hard for them to serve in the local church if they're not coming um, on Sundays. So the workplace is one of the things that can hinder us. Let me just challenge you with, with this as well. Did you know God is big enough to provide for you and your family if you make an effort to be in church on Sunday? You know, it, it seems revolutionary to some people when I suggest this, but have you ever thought of asking the boss if there's any way that you could even have Sunday morning to go to church and be in church. And uh, sometimes that seems like a revolutionary thought, but you know, God will honor that effort to stand up for him and say, I want to be in church. I'm a Christian. Remember, back in Acts 20, verse 7, those believers, that was just what they did. You know, they went to church because that's what believers do. And, uh, you know, some of those believers, in fact, a lot of those believers in the first century were slaves. And they were on call all day except for part of Sunday. And a lot of those churches met early, early on a Sunday morning so that those slaves would be free to meet together, you know, and um, be with God's people. You know, that's dedication. <laughs> that is dedication. That is commitment to Hebrews ten twenty five. I don't want to forsake the assembling together of uh, myself with other believers. I need to be in church. And... Would that we had that kind of spirit where we said, Lord, I need to be in church. Lord, will you help me? You know, it's often very helpful to communicate with the boss, uh, preferably when you first start working, when you're hired. Say, hey, I'm a Christian. Um, I need to go to church on Sundays. Um, if there's any way, I'd like to be able to go uh, to church on Sundays. And it is amazing. I found it amazing over the years how different employers obliged me and said, yeah, you can. And let me just tell you, I remember as a teenager, um, my dad, he said, you need to be in church on Sunday. We're Christians. And that, that was what we, I needed to do, you know. And so any employment that I took up, I had to be free to go to church. And, uh, you know, I have to say, there, there were times when I resented that, you know. But dad said, this is what we need to do. But, you know, I was amazed over the years from the time I was a teenager, again and again, I'd start a job and I'd say, you know, I'm a Christian, I need to go to church on Sunday. And the boss would say, okay. And somehow, I would get favor with that boss and it would work out and I would be able to go to church on Sundays. Amazing. You know, in part-time employment. You know, all I'm saying is, is a testimony. God can do it. You know, it's, it, it seems difficult and hard to be, how in the world can I be in church? Work calls me away from church all the time. Pray, communicate with your boss, and see what happens. Okay? See what happens. See what God uh, will do in your situation. So, that is one uh, thing that stops us. Here's a second one. Laziness. Laziness. You know, don't we sometimes conceive of Sunday as my day off? Okay? It's my day to do nothing. It's a day of rest. Amen? You know? And that's what we tend to think. But you know what? Sunday is a day of rest, but it's a day to get in God's house and be with God's people. You know, I find there's nothing that refreshes my heart more 
than being in church and worshiping and fellowshipping and hearing preaching, you know. Um, and, you know, God wants us to be in church. Don't let laziness keep you from the house of God. The amount of good that can be done to you in your heart and in your life uh, by being in the house of God uh, is tremendous. So obey God. Heed His command and get in church. Here's another thing. Children. You know, children. Sometimes um, it becomes a, a, a real challenge. Oh, what about the kids? You know, um, well, I, I can't come to an evening service because it's too late, you know. Or, you know, I, I just don't know if I could bring my kids to church. I, I just don't know if that, that will work, okay. You know, Ephesians 6.4 says this to every parent, every parent, that we are to bring our children up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. In the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You know where that starts? That starts at home, okay. That starts at home. You know, church cannot make up for a home where there's not teaching and loving and training going on. Church cannot, church is not a, a cure-all uh, to cure children. You can't, you know, not teach your children at home and then bring them to church and expect that to fix everything. But when you are teaching your kids at home and you bring them, even if you're not teaching them at home, you bring them to church, it helps them, right? They get some truth on their level that can help them to grow, right? And um, if that is our goal, if we have God's goal for parenting is to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, um, you know, we will bring our kids out to church not only because we need to be there, but because they need to be there too. They need to be under, um, need to be in church where they can worship and they can hear preaching and, and all of that. And so God wants to uh, use them. You know, sometimes. Um, parents will be very concerned about their children's physical needs. And you know what? That's a good thing. That's a good thing. But if we're so concerned about our children's physical needs that we don't bring them to church, what good is, does it do if we meet their physical needs and we never meet their spiritual needs? We never meet their spiritual needs. God wants to uh, do a work in your children's life as they come to church. Not just your life. In your children's life, you know, this morning as we were in the adult Sunday school, there were Sunday schools going on. Right now there's junior church going on. You know, those kids are being taught from the Word of God. They're hearing the gospel. You know, God can do great things in our children's lives. You know, I appreciate all the people that serve and work with the children in this church. You know, if you uh, help with the children in some way, however minor, raise your hand here. How many people help with the children? A lot of them are already... Uh, working with the children, okay? We see a lot of people helping with the children in various ways. You know, it is um, a tremendous ministry. I'll just tell you a story. I remember when we first came, my family first came to LifeGate. And um, I, I, I can still remember um, where the fellowship hall is right there. Um, I remember um, that was the auditorium back then, okay? That was the, the big church room. And um, I can still remember going in there and um, having children's church, okay, and having Sunday school. And I think the adult classes were upstairs somewhere. And I can still remember Mr. Ryan doing Coco the Clown. You remember that? He had Coco the Clown. And uh, he would entertain us, and they would sing songs with us, and then they'd share the gospel with us. And do you know what? I got saved partly as a result of being under gospel preaching in that children's ministry. I'm serious. I came down the stairs one night to my dad and I said, Dad, I've been hearing about, hearing about all this in Sunday school. 
And Lord, I need to be saved. I said, Dad, I need to be saved. I need the Lord to save me. And you know, he opened the Bible and he showed me how to be saved. But you know where I heard the gospel? It was in junior church. It was in Sunday school. You know what? God wants to work in your children's life. Get them in church. God wants to work in their lives uh, in a great way. You know, incidentally, I'm, gr- I'm grateful uh, that my parents made a decision to put Hebrews 10.25 into action and get in church. You know? And I am really glad. And uh, I remember hearing my mom talk one time about how it, was, it seemed really hard, you know, at first because us kids were little and she thought, oh, we can't do this. Um, but they started coming to church and uh, after they got saved. And I'm really grateful uh, that they did that um, and, and that they made that decision. And many, many of you have made that decision already. I'm going to be in church. And my family's going to be in church. And God has done great good in your family's life through being uh, in church. But you know, if you've not made that decision, think about the, the, the results for your children of obeying the Lord in this way. You know, um, if you make church normal in your family, chances are your kids will attend church. Do you know that? But if church is not important to you, let me just say this, it will be less important to your children. If it's not important to you, it will be less important to your children. So if you want church to be important to your children, make it important in your life. And so children, uh, quite the opposite of being an obstacle to us, being a part of a local church, become a very important reason for us as families uh, to uh, get in, in church. Now, we've talked a lot uh, here from these two verses. But I just want to close with this thought. You know, there are many things pressing in on us. Work is pressing on us. Okay, The needs of family are pressing in on us. Sometimes, literally, you've worked a long week and you are tired. The alarm clock goes off on a Sunday morning and you are tired. How many were tired uh, when it was time to get up this morning? Okay, uh, Lots of hands. I was. Okay, Tired. And all these things are pressing in on us. But I want you to think of a moment that if you're here this morning and you are born again, you are saved, a moment that you will surely face in your life. You know, I remember uh, listening to a talk one time, and the guy talked about, it sounds kind of morbid, but he talked about imagining your funeral, okay? He said, I want you in your mind's eye to imagine your funeral. And he said, I want you to imagine three uh, people that are very close to you getting up and uh, talking about you and your life. And he asked this question, he said, what will your life have meant? What impact will you have made with your years on planet Earth? And you know, when I heard that, I thought, you know, there's a day that's going to be even more significant for every believer. And you know what that is? That is the day when we stand before our Lord Jesus Christ. Every one of us will. If you're here today and you're saved, you will stand before Jesus. Okay? And... At that beam of seat, you know, his, his goal is not going to be uh, to judge us for sin or to, uh, you know, point out all the things that went wrong. It's an opportunity for him to reward us for how we served him, independence upon him, uh, independence on his spirit, how we served him. You know, what verse 24 talks about there, love and good works, love and good works. And he wants to reward us for those things at the beam of seat. But, you know, imagine standing before Jesus Christ Is your attitude to the local church right now, is it going to mean that when you stand before him, 
you will be grateful for your part in the local church? Or will you have cause to be ashamed? I mean, think about this for a second. You know, all the overtime and all the favors we did the boss, working Sundays, and, uh, you know, doing extra time so that we weren't able to be a part of church. All the favors you did the boss, and all the co-workers that you said, oh, yeah, I'll do that shift for you. I don't need to go to church on Sunday. All the favors that you did. What will it mean when you stand before the Lord Jesus Christ? I mean, what's really going to matter for eternity? You know, I think you and I know instinctively in our heart of hearts and the Spirit of God tells us. We know that those things, they're not the most important. Now, obviously, we need to work and we need to earn a living and that's good. But if it takes us away from being involved in something that important, you know, in the moment when we stand before Jesus, there's going to be a lot of priority changes taking place, don't you think? A lot of things that seem super important will seem pretty shallow and unimportant in that moment. You know, I think for a lot of believers, church is going to be one of those things. We're going to stand there and we're going to say, there was a great local church right in my town. And I could have been a part of it, but I was so preoccupied with other things. I could have been serving God. I could have been encouraging other believers. I could have been reaching lost souls with the gospel through my local church. But I wasn't bothered. I wasn't bothered. And we'll regret it. And when we stand before the Lord, you know, think about this. Even with our kids, you know, everything being perfect and getting the kids into bed early and all of those things. And, you know, obviously we need to take care of our kids' physical needs. But if we did all those things to the detriment of being a part of a local church, when we stand before the Lord Jesus, it won't matter. We'll say, well, why didn't I just say, Lord, help me and get in, in church? You know, I'll be honest with you. Sometimes when we are driving to church on a Sunday evening, okay, um, we have five kids. Uh, the oldest is seven years old, and the youngest is one year old. Okay, so they're all young. So on Sunday afternoon, after dinner, they take a rest. And then we get them dressed, and we go back to church at six o'clock. And you know, there are times when I'm driving to church, and the kids are a bit cranky, and uh, it's not easy. But you know, there there was a, a, a week just recently uh, where one of my kids um, they were about to do something bad, and they said, "No, that's not." And I know um, you went through changed into his image recently. Some of you remember that, I'm sure. But uh, Ruthie said, and we went through that recently as well. And Ruthie said, she said, hold on. That's, that's choosing self. That's not choosing God. You know where she heard that? In church on a Sunday evening. <laughs> and you know what? It helped her. You know, we don't know what God is going to use in our little hearts. Listen. It's worth the effort to get them in church. And you know, the reality is, when we neglect church and our kids don't get that nurture they need, when they struggle, we're going to wish we had. We're going to wish we had. And obviously, like I said, you know, church is not a cure-all. But it certainly helps for them to get truth in their little hearts uh, so that they, that they can grow. And so let me ask you this morning, do you have that habit set in your life so that you can thrive as a believer, do you have that habit in your life, that habit of getting in church, of being a part of a local church? Let's bow in prayer this morning. Father, we thank you, Lord, uh, that you established um, the, the local church. And Lord, we just ask that you would give us wisdom. Lord, help us to search our hearts in these few moments. 
and uh, Lord to do uh, business with you uh, Lord you are so good to us uh, but Lord I just pray you help us to be honest in these moments Spirit of God help us search our hearts we pray in Jesus name just our heads bowed and eyes closed um, heads bowed and eyes closed let me just ask this question first of all how many people would say you know I have I've made, I have made that habit in my life already you know maybe not perfect but you know I know church is a priority in my life and I try to be in church and be a part of my local church who would raise a hand God's already done that in my heart that was a decision that was made long ago and uh, you know I want to be part um, of a local church okay you can put your hands down just heads bowed and eyes closed how many people would say you know God has spoken to my heart in some way and uh, it may be I'll just leave it open because it may have been any of a number of things that God did in your heart but God has spoken to my heart in some way this morning uh, about being a part of a local church who would raise the hand God has spoken to my heart this morning God has spoken to my heart well let's do this we're going to have the piano play and if God's spoken to your heart speak to him in the quiet of your seat um, and uh, we will close in prayer in a moment but do business with the Lord as the piano plays mm-hmm.